0: word in our hearts in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated amen it's good to see you guys this morning we uh started a series of messages uh last week called earth wind and fire and uh some of that some was like we missed a good chance you know to to play some funk you know and uh who knows what's coming i don't know uh what the band will do uh they have their own minds sometimes. They just look at me and smile sometimes, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. What what what, what you got planned? So uh, it's good to see you guys. Um, we started this last week, and uh, we're going to continue this morning. We, we looked at last week the part, the dirt part of this uh, series where God took man, and he made man from the dust of the earth. He made man from dirt and breathe life into man, and we talked about that last week, and uh, we, we actually sang some songs this morning, uh, the rattle song that we sang just kind of alludes to where we've what we've been talking about, and, and if you remember that story in Ezekiel, uh, there's a story in Ezekiel where God gives Ezekiel this vision of this valley with a bunch of dead, dry bones in it, and he asks Ezekiel, he says, hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, I don't know. It's like only God, only you know, right? And you're talking God stuff. You're asking God questions. And so that's, that's a question only you can answer. And he tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, to speak to the bones. And those bones begin to rattle. They begin to shake, and they begin to come together. And muscle and flesh begin to form on the bones and they stand up and it's 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 this great army but they're not living yet. They actually don't come alive. If you read in the story, if you go read find the story in Ezekiel, they actually don't come alive until God does this one thing. And it's amazing up to this point, right? It's like, "Wow, that's that's a great thing. Wow, you just made some bones come together and stand up. That's awesome." You know, but it's like but he's like, "I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet because they didn't come alive until God did what he breathed into them. And just like Adam, Adam came alive and became a living being when God breathed into him in the book of Genesis. That army did not become a great living army until God breathed into them. And so this is continuation of this topic and this story that we see. uh, We're we're talking about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is and, and does in our life. Now, this morning I want us to look at the wind portion of this. Now, I have a friend who pastors down in um, St. Mary's, Georgia. He he pastors the Harbor Worship Center. And um, he is a full-time pastor, but he is a part-time skydiver. And so he takes people skydiving with him. He does these tandem jumps. And anybody, any skydivers in here? People that jump out of the airplane? Okay, all right, we got one. The other one? No, just one brave soul. Okay. Somebody said one crazy person, right? It's like... It wasn't intentional. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. Well that, and that's what I told uh, one of our elders here, Brother Tony, he, and that's that's kind of what he did. He he was he he jumped out of airplanes for the army and I said, "Man, why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane?" He said, "Who said they were perfectly good?" And I was like, that's a good point, you know." Uh so there you go. Um so yeah, that's not something that that I, I would do, you know, or or I would intend to do. Uh, you know, but some people do this and and my friend um my friend Mike, Pastor Mike, he does this and he takes people to do it. And thinking about that, you know, uh, it's important that there are certain things that happen when you jump out of an airplane and you have a parachute. You want that parachute to gather wind, right? You want it to have air that makes that that parachute come alive in, 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 a, in a sense. Well, I want to show you something this morning, something that, that I found. And anybody ever seen a squirrel suit? Or a wingman or or a wingsuit. Alright. Can you can you can you play that for me? Yeah, see this guy? There's, that this is not computer generated. This is real. Alright. This guy is just he's not got any jet propulsion on him. It basically is yeah, look at that. It's crazy, right? Um threading the eye of the needle with your body. All right. So he has this wingsuit, and so he is just gliding. And you see he's in Switzerland, I think, and he, uh, at one point he goes down real low over this lake. And you see him. He, uh, I guess it's got this airfoil on the wingsuit that allows it to get lift. And it, he lifts up at the last minute. He lifts up and goes over this dam and uh, it's like, wow, that's amazing uh, that somebody can do that. But you have to have certain things going right uh, to be able to do this, right? Uh, that this is not just something that anybody just wants to sign up for. Anybody, any people want to sign up for the wingsuit this morning? One crazy person in the back. All right. So uh, yeah, I mean, so so you you have people that do this kind of stuff, and uh, it's amazing. I want to show you, there's a picture of a guy I want to show you. The the guy who first tried this, his name was Franz Reichelt. And so, yeah, look at him. He looks really cool, right? (laughs) Looks like he's wearing a photo booth almost. Um, And so, Franz, he, in 1912, climbed to the top of the Eiffel Tower and stepped out with his suit. He was an inventor, and this was his experiment, was to see if his suit would help him to glide or fly in that sense. And so he stepped off uh, 187 feet up off the Eiffel Tower and plummeted to his death. (sighs) Um, And there's a big difference between the other guy who was in the wingsuit, Brendan, uh, Weizenstein and franz uh there's there's a big difference because one is flying and one is falling right and you have to have s- something happening for you to fly and and that's what franz wanted he wanted to fly but all he did was fall and the question that i have for us today is are we flying or are we falling Um, And so I want us to go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where I want us to start today. Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and um, he gives them some instructions and if we look here in verse 15 and he says this, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time." Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Anybody you want to know what the Lord's will is, right? Any, none of us? Anybody who just ever asked that question, God, what is your will for my life? right? God, what do you want from me? And, and I've asked that question. I've asked it multiple times. And so we, we, we can see here that, that Paul helps us out. And therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. I'll say that again. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast that he is, he is making here. There's, there's a difference that he is drawing here, and we'll look at that here in just a second. And he goes on, he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns And spiritual songs and singing and making melody. How many? We did that just a little while ago, right? And he says, This is this is what it looks like. This is what a spirit filled life looks like. It looks like songs, it looks like melody, it looks like people coming together and making melody with the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, you know, he he gives us what this looks like here. And he, he says, hey, there's there's a way to be filled with God's Spirit. And, and, and he's like, he's like, don't get drunk with wine. You know, and I know every everybody always like, you know, somebody's like nudging, nudging, is like, did you tell the pastor something? You know, everybody always gets, it's like, I don't know anything about anybody, you know. So if you're feeling guilty, that's just the Holy Spirit on your life right now, okay? All right? I don't know nothing, right? All right? So, uh, but he, he's, he's, he's drawing this contrast. He's saying, listen, uh, you know what it's like to be drunk with, with wine. He says, don't, don't be that guy. Don't be that person. He's like, be filled with the Spirit. If, if you're going to be full of something, be full of the Spirit. And so what does that even mean? What does that mean to be full of God's Spirit? And last week we started in the Old Testament. We started in the Hebrew Scriptures um, where uh, we began to look at the Ruach. And that's the Hebrew word for spirit is the word ruach. And it means spirit, it means breath. It means wind, Uh, and so it it has kind of a flexible meaning, and it can also mean not just spirit, like like spirit in you, but like the spirit, like the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Hakadosh. And so um, the the Ruach is found here uh, early on in in Scripture. I want us to go though and look at Exodus chapter thirty-one. Exodus chapter thirty-one gives us a picture of of what this looks like. And Exodus chapter 31, we see um, a guy that is filled with God's Spirit. And so I'm going to turn there and, and if you've got Exodus 31, I'm going to ask you to turn there too. And it says this it says The Lord said to Moses, see I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah or Uri. Son of her of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. There you go. You see this 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 unique experience happening here, happening where God is filling up someone. Now, I, I want you to just get this idea first off that to be filled with God's Spirit um, is is like it's like having a glass of water. If I set a glass of water down here. And uh, Well, it's just an empty glass, and then I start pouring water in it. If I get halfway up, is it full? This is yes. This is no. If I'm pouring the glass, it's halfway. Is it full? There we go. Thank you. I appreciate the participation today. You all get a participation sticker. If I continue on and I fill and it's three-quarters of the way up, is it full? I mean, it's... Thank you again. You guys, you guys are catching on. You know, it's, uh, you get it. I mean, it's like, you know, and if I kept pouring till I got to just a little bit above the brim, is it still full? See, I don't think that we could say that it is technically all the way full until it starts overflowing, right? Because technically, there's probably just this minuscule bit that is still left that is not quite full. But you know that it's full when it's overflowing, don't you? You know that when that glass is overflowing, that man is full of water. And that's the same thing with us that God wants for us, that he wants us to be filled in such a way that our life is overflowing that it's filled not just to the brim not just three quarters of the way up say well you know i got enough of god or i I got enough of jesus in my life there is no such thing as i got just enough of jesus anybody know what i'm talking about i need all that i can get Uh, if there's any spot in my life that's not full of god i need it to be filled by god because i'm not that good i understand that if there's space open in my life that i'll actually try to fill it with something else you know what that's like too. Many of us in here, we have had space in our life that we've tried to fill and cram with other things. And we just, we know that it never does what we want it to do. We know that we are never satisfied. You know, there's people that have all the money that they could ever want, and they just know, you know, it's like, it's, there's got to be something else. I remember seeing an interview, and I think I played it for you several years ago. It was an interview with Tom Brady early on in his career with the Patriots, and Tom Brady had won like already, he had won like three championships, you know, and he's got these three rings. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, this is great, this is awesome. He's like, but isn't there more? Then he goes on to win like twelve more rings, and I guess there was more uh to, to win in rings, you know. Uh, yeah, the one lone Patriot fan, right? <laughs> or maybe just Tom Brady fan, I don't know, you know. Uh you know, uh and but but he sensed that he's like, I've got wealth, I've got fame, I've got success. And it just just seems like it's what's there's gotta be more, right? And see, there is. There is more, and that's what God wants to fill us with, His Spirit, because we were created for that. We were created to be full of God's Spirit. We were created to be filled by God. Ecclesiastes tells us that eternity was set in the heart of man, that you and I were built for eternity. We were built for that, and so it only takes an eternal being that can fill that within us. And and so we see here in Exodus that God has filled Bezalel, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with what? With ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, right? And I want you to mark that, what is the result of God feeling Bezalel? To devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood To work in every craft. Now, I love this. This is not something, though, growing up, that I ever thought, nobody ever told me about Bezalel. You know, I I always heard about Acts chapter 2 and the filling of the Spirit, but nobody ever told me about Bezalel. And Bezalel is a great example of what God wants to do when He fills us with His Holy Spirit. And so, when you begin to look at this, what is the result of Bezalel being filled? And there are four things that we find. If you can put that up there. Four things that we find are this, is that he is filled with wisdom, he is filled with understanding, he is filled with knowledge, and he's filled with craftsmanship. You know, it's like I don't think sometimes we think about this in relation to the Holy Spirit in our life. We think, well, this is just something I like doing. So if some of you guys are woodworkers in your shop at home, you're just like, you know, that's just me. That's just something I like to do to kill the time. But I think sometimes we divorce what God has gifted us to do from the God who has gifted, right? We have our gifts and we operate in them. And sometimes we, we don't think about the God who has gifted, gifted us to do this. And so Bezalel is gifted in wisdom. And this is the word hokmah. Chokmah in uh, Hebrew is, uh, is this idea that you have clarity. That, that God gifted Bezalel with clarity, and he was very pragmatic about how he went about things. And Hokmah means that you uh, can go about in just a simple process and say, you know what? I know what I need to do here. I know what needs to happen here. Anybody, you ever had a problem, and you couldn't figure it out, but you were able to go to somebody and show it to them? They're like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on here right? And what is it? They have clarity. Usually, this is me when I'm trying to fix my cars, and I call Junior Matthews, and I say, hey, dude, I don't know what's going on here, because you know what we do? Sometimes we go and lift the hood of the car. Guys, we do this, right? We go lift the hood of the car, and we're just kind of standing over, right? We're like, yeah, the thingamajiggy is right where it needs to be, and the doohickey is connected to the whats a and I don't know, <laughs> but I could call Junior. Junior comes over and is like, Pass this, around, this is what you got going on. And so, because he has clarity. He has clarity. And so, when Bezalel is filled with God's Spirit, God's Spirit allows him to have clarity to do what? What has God called him to do? God has called him, he says, listen, Moses, we're going to build a tabernacle. There is going to be this tent of meeting, and it's going to sit in the middle of the camp, and that is where I'm going to come, and I'm going to reside in the middle of the camp, and I'm going to live with my people. I'm going to come and dwell there. Tent. God lives in a tent uh, in the middle of the of the, of the of the camp, and Bezalel is the one who has tasked, him and a few other guys are tasked with this craft." craftsmanship and this skill of building this thing out and he says listen he says Bezalel called you to do this and Bezalel's got he's like yep I see this in my head and there are some people who just have that. They're like visionaries that they can come and say, they, they can go look at a flat piece of ground, but they can see what can be there. You know, contractors and people who have, have the ability to build things, they can look at just a pile of wood and they can say, oh yeah, I know what the end product can look like here because God has gifted them with clarity in that field. And see, maybe you're like that in different ways. Maybe you're like that with numbers. I'm horrible with numbers, you know, but maybe you're the kind of person that can look at numbers and say, oh no, I can see what your problem is in and in, in your good light because God has given you clarity he's given you wisdom he's given you hokmah okay so god gave hokmah in this infilling of his spirit to Bezalel. He gave him understanding and uh, being able to read between the lines is, is what this really, this word means. It's, it's the Hebrew word bin, And uh, in, in Hebrew, this it kind of just means that he's got this perception to be able to read between the lines. That's why he says, ah, I don't quite, I'm kind of picking up what's going on here. Maybe some, the ladies, I know a lot of times ladies, uh, you know, my wife has, has this, she says, ah, I kind of perceive something's happening here. This perception about maybe it's not real clear exactly, what's going on but kind of get this perception I think, I think I see what's happening here this is a wisdom and understanding kind of thing he gives him knowledge uh, in that he has this ability to be able to figure out maybe I don't know exactly what's happening but I can figure it out and then he gives him craftsmanship and I love this this craftsmanship is taking care of business basically um, it is being diligent in the work that you've been called to do And see, this is one thing that just irritates me as a pastor about Christians in in general. Not any one Christian in here, I hope. But but I I get irritated because we're Christians and we'll wave the Christian flag and we'll say, Hey, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, And, and sometimes our life doesn't bear it out because sometimes people will tell you they're a Christian, but man, they have no work ethic. Or maybe they're the laziest person at work. Or maybe, maybe they're a person that's just like, ooh, that's kind of shady. I don't know what's going on here. And see, that is not that that is not the craftsmanship that God has called us to when he says, I'm filling you with my spirit. It's because he's saying, when I fill you with my spirit and you have craftsmanship, that you are able to be diligent about the work and do the work the way. That it needs to be done. Do it with integrity and do it with character. And that's what Bezalel was filled with. He was filled with integrity and character and clarity to be able to say, God has tasked me with a task and I'm going to go do this task with everything that I've got. See, because many of you in here, God has called you and equipped you to do certain things. Maybe there are things that you say, well, I'm just not good at. Maybe there are things that you say, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a good fit for this. I remember I had a job in college where I was working for a company and they made these dryers for, um, for air conditioners and, and it was like this little part that went on the air conditioner and I was supposed to go around and take the stocking, stock them on the shelf and then take some off the shelf and put them on the pallets to be shipped, and I was, I couldn't figure it out. I know I walked around for three days with this sheet of paper. That all it had on it was numbers, and I just kind of walked around looking at things, what? acting like I knew what I was doing. I kept that job for like two weeks, and that was a miracle that I stayed two weeks, right? Because I realized I am not a good fit for this. I had to go work at the video warehouse. I knew how to check out video cassette tapes, right? I could do that. I was not good for the dryer fit for the air-conditioned guys. They said, thanks so much. It Probably was when I killed it is when I was running the forklift, and I hit got that first pallet, and I hit it, and then it hit the next pallet, and it hit the next pallet, and hit the next pallet. And there was like a domino effect of ten pallets, and all those ladies that I worked with, they just hated me. And I turned in my resignation that day, and they were very thankful. You know? And now I'm your pastor. Don't, don't ask me to run a forklift. All right. But see, there are things that we're called to do. And so, so these, this is what it looks like for it to be filled with God's Spirit. Now now back over, let's, let's back up real quick, back to Ephesians. Go back there with me. If I can get over there. Ephesians. Now, now it says here, Paul draws this contrast. And I alluded to this a little earlier. Paul draws this contrast. He says, don't be drunk on wine. Right? That's very good advice. Don't be drunk on wine, right? Um, but he says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, now think about people who drink alcohol and they just get a little wild sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are like, I ain't raising my hand. You know, either you know personally or you know someone personally because you've, you've either been there yourself or, or you've seen somebody do it. Where maybe that they get alcohol in them and they think they're bigger than everybody else in the room, right? They 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 feel, you know, they could be this little tiny person, but they're like 10 feet tall. Rah! Come on, everybody, I'll take you on. I'll take on the entire room. Let's not fight right now, right? You know, you've seen people like this. See, what, what alcohol does is this. Alcohol will make you believe things that aren't true. Am I right? Alcohol will make you believe things that aren't true. It'll make you see things that aren't true. And why Paul draws this contrast, he says, when alcohol does this, alcohol makes you believe things that aren't true about yourself. But what the Holy Spirit does is this the Holy Spirit wants you to believe the things that are true about you. So when you are filled with God's Spirit, you begin to see with clarity, all right, God, yeah, you've quit me. You have given me this. And maybe I can't, there's like, 20 other things that I'm really not good at, and that's okay. I'm not going to try to do that, but I am really good at these two or three things right here. So, God, you're giving me clarity to dive into this and pour myself into this because, God, you help me see what's true about me. And so that's what spirit living looks like. It it allows us to have wisdom and understanding and knowledge and craftsmanship. It allows us to see the truth about ourselves, and sometimes the truth about ourselves is ugly. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not just kind of patting you on the butt and say, "Hey, man, you're awesome, you're great. Sometimes you're not awesome and great." And the Holy Spirit says, I've got to convict you here," right?" And so it's seeing what is true, it's seeing what is real, reality. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings us into reality. The Holy Spirit this is, this is and I ask somebody to come play because we're about to close this out. The Holy Spirit isn't about losing your mind in Jesus either. It's about having the mind of Jesus. And I want us to read Philippians. If you'll go with us to Philippians. I'm just going to read it off the screen if you'll put it up there. So so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the what? The Spirit. In the Ruach, in the Numa, this Holy Spirit. If there's any participation in the Spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the what? The same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's it right there. See, I think sometimes we come and, and maybe whatever background you come from. I talked about this a little bit last week. That sometimes maybe you come from that background that um, you say, well, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing. And, and my background is, I, I feel like just I'm all about the Holy Spirit. With that's all I've been raised to know. That's just just my 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 background. That it's just like man, I, I've heard it preached. I've I've, I've seen people just just uh, pray and and shout and dance and just be moved by the Spirit. And I love that. But I've also seen people try to blame stuff on the Holy Spirit, also. I said, Well, I just, you just got to lose your mind for Jesus. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to have the mind of Jesus. There's a big difference. There's a big difference about losing control and about surrendering control. We're not asking you to lose control because remember, what's part of the fruit of the Spirit? You get all the way down to those, those that, that, it's, all, it's called one fruit. It's a listing of nine characteristics and you get down and what is it? There's self-control, right? Self-control there that he calls us to be people who are in control of our self. Not because we are that powerful, it's because actually that we've allowed ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit we've actually allowed our will to be bent to the Spirit and said, God, whatever you want to do, God, whatever you want to do, my life is open to you, so God, pour into me. So that's where I want us to end this today, that God wants to breathe into your life and fill you with His Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to just be half full just a little bit where you get just enough of Jesus that it's like, ooh, i got to tingle up my back in church. That was good enough. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go home eat chicken. Right? No, that's that's not what he wants. The word there that he says be filled is the word pleroma in Greek and it means to be full like a sail on on a boat is full of wind and it propels it like that guy's suit is full of wind and if it's not full of wind he is not flying but he is falling. God has called us not to fall but to fly and the only way that we fly is when we're full of God's Spirit. That's the only way to fly. That's the only way for us to fly. So I want you to stand with us this morning. They're going to lead us in this song, and I won't come back and pray, and then we're going to end up. can't
1: go back to the beginning. I can't control what's tomorrow. Yes, you.
0: This prayer, I'm desperate. God's looking for some desperate people to fill this one. He's looking for people willing and and saying, God, fill me. I'm, I'm open for you to pour into my life. God will not force Himself on you, but He looks for someone who says, I'm available, Lord. Lord, pour into me. God, fill me with your spirit, fill me with wisdom and understanding. Fill me with strength, Lord. Let me have character and integrity about my life. Lord, fill me in such a way, God, where it it, it brings a good witness for who, who your church is and who your church people are. God, forgive us when we've stepped away, but Lord, we know that you will wash us clean. Your Holy Spirit convicts us of that. Your Holy Spirit convicts us of when we've stepped away. But Lord, you bring us back. And so this morning as you bring us back, pour into us. Pour into us where we're people of power. Pour into us where we're people, Lord, who can overflow into our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces. Lord, when we walk in and we're people of joy, and we're people with passion, and we're people who have life in us, Lord, let us walk in and overflow that life into places that are dead. Let people sense that. God, let people, Lord, who are just desperate to let us let them see that. Let us lift you up in such a way where everybody's drawn to you. So, Lord, fill us today. Holy Spirit, fill our life this morning. Make us people who are strong make us people, Lord, who will walk with you and walk close with you and will listen for your voice and be obedient, obedient to your voice this morning. Let our will be bent to yours, I pray, not my will, but yours, Lord, Let your will be done in my life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.